Welcome to the Pensions Expert Podcast. My name is Alex Janiel, and I'm joined by Lydia Fern, who is Reddington's Head of DC and Financial Wellbeing, and Maria Nazareva-Doyle, Head of DC Investment Consulting at JLT Employee Benefits. Our cover story, written by Sophia Imerson, brought the news of Lloyd's overhauling its DC default fund. They've ditched a diversified growth fund in favour of 100% equity allocation for members in the first year of saving. Bucking an emerging trend to de-risk members towards drawdown, the scheme has also opted to focus the majority of its default portfolio on annuity purchase in the run-up to retirement. Maria and Lydia, you both featured in this article. Maria, what are the key points to consider when designing a new default fund strategy? Thank you. So uh, there are different ways of designing a default strategy, obviously, but what uh, I'd like to talk about is a a recipe for a good default design. And uh, there are a few main ingredients in that. And one would be one that is the main one is members. You need to understand your members. You need to know who they are, what they might want. You need to do proper member analysis and you need to design your default funds in line with their needs and preferences insofar as you can gather those uh, uh, that and the data around it. So this is what the regulator wants and this is what will ultimately drive better member outcomes if the default is actually bespoke to the needs of the membership for a particular pension scheme. So that would be my ba- main base ingredient uh, for this recipe. But the second and um, probably just as important uh, one is future-proofing. So you need to future-proof your default because uh, member demographics change, member preferences change. We see member behaviors um, data being collated all the time. So we're trying to monitor whether they're going for cash, you know, whether they're going for drawdown, annuity, what they're trying to do. So we need to keep uh, a finger on the pulse there, understand what it is they're doing. And um, the default design should be future-proof so that you can take account of those changes and maybe behavior. But also uh, you need to keep one eye on the developing uh, regulations in DC space, because we have quite a lot going on. And uh, again, if you design your default, it should be able to withstand any potential regulations pressure and changes so that you can make um, any adjustments easily uh, without much disturbance to your membership base. Uh, And the last but not least that I should mention here uh, would be sustainability. So uh, potentially could be tied in with future proofing, but actually I think it's so important that it deserves to be a standalone ingredient in this recipe. Uh, Default strategies are such such long-term vehicles. You have to make sure they're sustainable, then, you know, the investment that you put in place for defaults, uh, they need to be done so with a long term future in mind and long term risks in mind as well. I mean, Lydia, your thoughts on DC default design? Um, yeah, so I do agree with a lot of the points there. I think members and understanding what they're doing, their actual experience is really important, especially when you're designing the target of a default strategy. Um, the other area that I think is important is cost and the implications of that cost for members, um, how much it's going to cost them, not just in one point in time, but all the way through the whole lifestyle um, and process through to retirement. So there's there's many areas to consider, and it's really important that we make sure that we focus on it, monitor it, change it if necessary, and make sure we've got members at uh, the forefront of our minds when we're designing it. Sure. I mean, how have DC default fund strategies evolved, and where are they heading? Uh, we've seen quite a bit of, of change over the last few years. Um, we did see a very big rise in uh, diversified growth funds within default designs. And I think that was sort of born from the financial crisis and the fact that people are, and trustees are actually very concerned about members losing money. 
for young members particularly, and when they're putting in the start of their savings, their DC for the long term, that, those pound notes have to work pretty hard. So um, in line with uh, sort of the area that Lloyd's have, have gone down, introducing more equities in the early stages and potentially de-risking over another couple of stages sort of towards retirement where members might be taking cash at 55 um, or they might be staying invested over the longer term when they potentially could retire. So there's lots of different things members can do. I think we're in quite a transitional period at the moment um, because members are starting to take cash to to use the freedoms, but you know things might change as those pots grow in size. So it's really important to be considerate of, of our members and think about where they're heading and the likely um, uh, behaviours of them in the future. And also we can't, and I know we, we, we may touch on this, but we can't um, forget around the investment risks that go into default design. And that obviously sits around um, environmental, social and governance risk, the ESG risk that we've seen in the, the new legislation coming out. So those are areas that we, we definitely need to think about. And we've seen default funds and strategies moving in that direction, which I think is important. Maria, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely agree. And probably would add just a couple of small points as well. Um, I think DGF still have a very important role to play uh, in DC default design, but uh, probably towards the later stages of investment. So once the pots are ready, more or less accumulated and uh, members are close to retirement and they potentially think you may be taking some bits of money out, but continuing to still save in the same vehicle. So just to manage that uh, volatility risks when... Um, when the members approach 55 and they're slightly over that age, whereas volatility is maybe not that much of a risk during the early years of saving. It becomes more of a focus when ports are large and any kind of fluctuations mean quite a lot of actual pounds being lost uh, for a person at the time when they probably need the money the most because they're about to retire or about to take the benefits. But also in terms of uh, general comment on default design, I think we... Um, went quite a journey from you know balanced funds and then UK equity index funds to now lots of funds using active management or smart beta you know lots of um, uh, different more sophisticated type approaches in in DC so they're spilling over from DB into DC and especially the schemes are growing in size the sophistication in those strategies is uh, increasing quite a lot and uh, for one what I would like to see is um, introduction or uh, more wider widespread use of uh, alternative investments and particularly liquids in DC default design because again there's such long-term vehicles 20 30 40 years of investment members should not be um, missing out on the advantages of these kind of investments sure I mean Maria plans by the government to force trustees to outline how they are taking their members ethical views into account into the investment strategies have been scrapped but schemes will be required to publish more detailed statements of investment principles from October next year. To what extent should members' ethical views influence DC default investment strategy? Very short answer, they probably shouldn't. Um, I think for trustees, the job is very difficult as it is to try and create a default uh, fund that looks after the needs of the majority of members. So they're trying to work with averages without hitting it maybe perfectly for every single member as an individual. Uh, and if they were to try and take account of ethical views and put them all 
overlay it on one fund. It's probably pretty much impossible to do. What they should be doing, though, is looking at uh, financially material factors that are part of environmental, social and governance uh, considerations and things like climate change, which I absolutely agree with. Uh, these are uh, factors that pose real risks to default strategies over the long term of member savings. So they really should be taken into account. However, ethical views of specific members, much, it's going to be a much, much harder job uh, to implement and they're probably better placed in uh, a wider, um, better quality fund range so that members who want to express their ethical views can do so within their DC scheme, but not necessarily as part of the default. Lydia? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it is difficult to get members' ethical views into the default, but that shouldn't stop us asking their views. Uh, we still should be checking in with members. There's been uh, numerous research that's been uh, out the last year or so and where people talk to members, even in the government response, there was a lot um, of positivity from members saying we want to know where the default's invested. We want to get an idea of how that's impacting um, the future sustainability of the world. You know, they want this information. And I think whilst the government has scrapped that requirement and it's probably the right thing to do right now, that shouldn't stop us in the industry, trustees, governance committees, actually asking members what they want and how they want that investment to be moving in the future and, and what they're willing to do in order to achieve their outcomes. So I absolutely believe that um, the the climate and the longer term ESG factors should be taken account of in investment risk and we continue and have those discussions with with our trustees and governance committees that should should continue but alongside that we should definitely be speaking to our members. Well that's all we've got time for thank you Lydia and thank you Maria to read our Lloyd story and for more on DC default fund investment please visit pensions-expert.com Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.